Hello everyone and welcome back to the Littlest Petcast. I am your host James and today we are looking at the season one finale, Summertime Blues. So it begins with Blythe rushing down the dumbwaiter. She is really excited and she's jumping around and like talking at times five speed, I think. It's like faster than usual, but not too fast. It's not chipmunky, I don't think. Anyway, um, yeah, she's just jumping around, talking to the pets in a very fast manner. And then, like, all the pets look on, and Minka says that they don't know what game this is, but Penny Ling says uh, they want to play as well. So they start jumping around, and Mrs. Trombley busts in and wonders what's going on. Blaze says, you won't believe it. And Mrs. Trombley sarcastically says, that's probably true. <laughs> uh you are indeed the sass master, Mrs. T. <laughs> anyway, uh, Blythe explains that she sent her designs to fun. And Mrs. Trombley asks what that is. And Blythe elaborates with that being Fashion University North, which is an upstate fashion university. I mean guess that's a bit self-explanatory but I don't know they say upstate so I mean e even though like north is a bit different than whatever let's keep going Sunil and Vinny are having a private conversation where Sunil tells Vinny he's only really understanding about every third word and Vinny informs him that uh, he's doing better than uh, Vinny is. <laughs> because Blythe is still talking a bit fast. This time is like maybe times two speed. Whatever, either way. <laughs> Blythe is still talking with Mrs. Twombly. And she explains that she sent her designs to Fun. Because they host a like summer fashion camp. Just to see if she can get in, and, you know, she got in. Like, lucky her. And Blythe is so excited, she shrieks so loudly that uh, it breaks Mrs. Trombley's glasses. But Mrs. Trombley pulls out a spare set of glasses that she has. Now, I was going to criticize that. However... I actually think that this is genius because, like, like the glasses incident happened last episode. Maybe, maybe Mrs. Trombley learned from that or, or was forced to apologize to young me and that pregnant woman. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Decided to get a spare pair as well. Maybe. Like. It's either that or she always had spares. And just 
didn't think to use them and just made a fool of herself for no reason. But I like to think as, you know, as goofy as she is, she's not that goofy without a good reason. Like, and losing basically your ability to see is a pretty good reason, but, you know, I think I'll just give this pass. Because there's, like, one or two things that I'm going to get into later that will probably take longer to explain. Anyway, Blythe uh, is so excited that she's going to this camp she exaggerates how long she's going to be there and says that she might be there forever and then goes to start packing. However, Mrs. Twombly is sad about this and the pets are sad about this as well. So from there, we go into the opening credits and from there, it immediately jumps into a song. Because, you know, that's how it rolls. This is this is probably the strangest transition. Because it's like, like, it's just there. It's like break and then you come back from the break and the song's happening. Like, like in the other cases, the songs are at least set up. But in a way you don't see coming. This is just like like a break and then 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 a then a song. So it's a ballad about how Blythe is leaving and how all the pets just want her to stay so that they can be friends and stuff. Uh so they're in like a recording booth and they're like playing instruments and stuff except for Zoe who's just singing and Russell is at the sound mixer on the other side and like it's it's again it's a pretty good song for like what it is and like I mean I'm just mostly confused about how they get to the songs and the wide variety of song styles. Like, nothing against the songs. So, some highlights from the song, because, like, it's a very personal song between the Pets and Blythe, even though Blythe doesn't really see it. So, um, some highlights include, uh, Penny Ling saying she and Blythe were inseparable, but, uh, Sunil says that he was closer. Uh, Pepper asks herself if, uh, Blythe is leaving because she made fun of Blythe's giant head too much. And also because, uh, she stinks, uh, Pepper stinks because she's a skunk, not uh, yeah, I could have worded that better, but you know, instead of editing that part down, I'm gonna 
I'm going to keep chugging along because I explained it. So then uh, another highlight is uh, Sunil starts crying really hard. So hard that Russell uh, turns on some wipers for the window between the recording booth and the recording booth. Vinny says that he's thankful that Sunil is close to the drain in the recording booth. I mean, sure. That that is the um, that is something that is only weird when you say it out loud. But anyway, uh, and then later, Sunil blames Russell for Blythe leaving, which is which is really funny. And then, like, during uh, um, like an interlude, I think I'm not the best at musical terminology. Uh, Pepper does a knock-knock joke where it's like, knock-knock, who's there? My broken heart. I'm like, wow! Oh, that's a little... That's... That's just sad. <laughs> like, that's just sad. Like, I thought she was gonna do knock-knock, who's there, not Blythe, because, you know, that would be actually a little funny, but it's just sad. <laughs> These pets are devastated that Blythe is leaving. Like, holy moly. And, like, near the end, we see Russell has a picture of him and Blythe together. Um. Yeah. You know, that's. Okay, uh. Alright, yeah, no, I can't. I can't. I was gonna do this later, but I guess now is a more appropriate time. So, I I think throughout this episode, they're trying to push the 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 idea that Russell has a crush on Blythe, which I can't unsee thanks to a friend of mine pointing it out. And, like, this is, like, the first bit of that, and it's a seemingly innocent bit. But then, like, we get into, like, a later storyline, and it just seems that way. And, I don't know, it just, it just strikes me as a little odd that, like, we, so far we've had two episodes where... I for sure thought that was the case. And then, like, maybe some other underlying things that I might have missed. Like, I mean, it's it's going to be kind of hard for me to miss this stuff. Because I'm usually really good at picking up on things. Although the things I pick up on are usually... What mutant ability does this character have? Or, where does this fit in the timeline? Or, you know, whatever. So maybe I'm actively ignoring it where I can? 
But, like, I can't ignore this. It's just, like, you know what? I'll get into more detail when, like, that specific plot point comes up. But for now, I'm just going to leave it there. So after the song is over, we flash into the play area and Russell tells them to cheer up. He says he's going to have a heart to heart with Blythe and that everything will be fine and it won't be as bad as you're thinking. Sunil says, you know, Russell's right. It'll probably be worse. <laughs> uh, oh, that that's, that's some downer humor. Uh, anyway. So, Blythe is in the apartment showing Roger, like, the website for fun. And pointing out all the buildings and stuff. And uh, Roger has a trick in which uh, when Blythe turns to look at him, uh, he's really excited for her. But when she's turned towards the laptop, uh, she he is worrying. And, like, she does this very fast, and he is spot on. He does not skip a beat on this one like it's just a really good skill so uh roger says that it sounds like uh her days are going to be jam-packed and blythe says like they will but it will be a b-l-a-s-t which because like she's super excited she's just spelling it out because like Actually, wait. What if, like, the word, like, didn't form in her head, so she had to spell it out? Like, she was, like, so excited that, like, she actually couldn't say the word. Like, like her her thoughts are faster than her mouth in this instance. Hmm. You know, that's interesting. I mean, sometimes that happens with my mouth. Uh, you might have noticed it. You might have not. Um, well, you might have noticed it. I, I mean, I was going to say I tried to edit this stuff down. But, like, you know, I, I still keep in, like, these um, uh, verbal uh, pauses... And, like, things I usually cut are, like, me swearing or me messing up something or saying something that doesn't make sense. And, uh, like, you know, other things. But I keep these, like, verbal pauses in. Which, uh, you know, I I think I might edit, edit out if, like, I was doing this with someone else. Or, like, it might not be a problem if I was doing it with someone else. But since I'm doing it on my own, I feel a bit more pressure to just keep going and not have long things of silence. Unless I'm doing a stinger. 
But, you know, either way, my, my point is that maybe Blythe and I aren't that different, you know? Or even if we were, like, different in a lot of ways, which, you know, I'm willing to bet we are. Um, like, we'd get along, probably. Uh, you, you know what? I am very off track. And, uh, yeah, so, um, after she spells out blast... She screams, and this time it shatters the coffee pot with coffee in it. Okay. Confession time. There's no good way around this. So, after I had to cut there, I kept going for like 12 minutes, but the audio was messed up. Like, I mean, you expect some background noise, I hope, but this was like, like a really weird scratching noise, like high-pitched scratching noise, and that for 12 minutes is unpleasant. I guess no one gets out of the podcasting business unscathed. I just really wish it was not this 12-minute chunk. I'm going to try my best to go through what I went through previously and hope I did better this time because only... Crap. 12 minutes is a lot to lose. And now I have to spend more time on this. And I've already spent enough time complaining about this, so let's uh, go back. So, Roger is clearly concerned about Blythe leaving, but he knows it'll be good for Blythe. And Blythe asks him if this is okay, and Roger thinks about it for a minute and says, yeah, it's fine. You can just go because this seems like a good idea for you. So Roger opens up for a hug, and Blythe tackles him. Uh, She then goes to contact her friends about this while Roger gets up off the floor saying he'll miss Blythe. He hears a knock at the door, and he goes to get it, and it's Mrs. Twombly. She pulls Roger out into the hall and asks if he's heard the terrible news. Russell approaches, while Twombly says, of course Roger has heard, because Roger is Blythe's dad. So, Twombly has come to Roger with a plan to prevent her from going. That plan... (laughs) (laughs) is frame Blythe for a crime she didn't commit and have her placed under house arrest. (laughs) You know, I love how the circumstance isn't 
get Blythe to actually do a crime because they trust Blythe to be so good that they'd have to frame her for something. I know it might be easier just to frame her for a crime, but I mean, there's also like getting her to accidentally commit a crime. So, uh, yeah, so frame Blythe for a crime and have her placed under house arrest. Roger says that that is not going to happen, and Tromley thinks that it's because Roger thought of the hole in the plan, which is she can't come to work in the Lilith's pet shop, which seems a tad odd because they're in the same building. She doesn't even have to leave the building to get to it. She can just use the dumbwaiter. Although I don't know if anyone notices that they're doing that. They might, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, Twombly thinks that uh, they can allow for a little more freedom to do that, but has to think of a way to keep Blythe in the shop and not run away to fashion camp. Her solution to this is ninjas. Ninjas keeping an eye on Blythe at all times in secret. So Roger says no again and that they should let her do this because it's good for her. Mrs. Twombly is frustrated but realizes that Roger is correct in this. Roger says that she'll be gone for just the summer, but Mrs. Tromley says that's still too long. Roger reiterates that this is good for Blythe, even though uh, he'll miss her like crazy. Twombly agrees, and from around the bend, or corner, I should say, Russell also agrees. So Blythe is chatting with young me, Sue, and Jasper about uh, fun. And Jasper starts spelling out fun, like saying F is for fashion and stuff, but Sue shoots that down and asks Jasper to stop. So they ask where it is, and Blythe says that that's the only downside. It's either a short flight or a long ride away, and that she'll be gone for most of the summer. Jasper blurts out that that stinks. Young Me and Sue scold him, but he says it's true. Young Me says that this is her dream and that they're proud of her, and then gestures to Jasper. Jasper picks himself up for a bit and says, yeah, this is good for Blythe. Blythe says that she'll see everyone tomorrow for the last day of school. So then uh, we cut to the play area where Russell walks back in and everyone else is just staring at him, wondering what's going on. Okay. Do I feed into it this time? Well, last time I said I must, so... You know, let let's dig a hole, dig it deeper, dig it deeper. So, I want... Okay, I don't want... This is difficult. Because, like, 
it's about shipping again. And shipping in the show is generally a little weird. But I must. So Vinny is being carried by Penny Ling in this scene. And I have to wonder if that goes into the Vinny Penny Ling ship. And like how confusing this love whatever shape it is actually is because there's also like hints that Russell and Penny Ling could get together and then there's Russell's whole crush on Blythe probably which I would love to ignore but I can't and I think I said this in like a different part already a part that didn't get deleted but uh, like I think I pick up on most instances of that and other bits of shipping but like it's really really weird it's not even like a like a quadrilateral because there's nothing to connect either point it's like a triangle with a thing jutting off on it and like it's just like this is especially weird to talk about like because like the shipping i can get into this bit of this much detail with it which is already weird in itself but the fact that these are all interspecies ships like makes it a bit more difficult to swallow you know what I'm saying it's really really weird is what I'm saying so, yeah, I'll just get on with it, because, like, honestly, I've, I don't really enjoy talking about this aspect too much, but even so, I have to talk about it at some point, because, it it happens. There are like even some bits of interspecies shipping that are in canon, I think. Whatever. Let's go back. Everyone else is staring at Russell, wondering what's going on. Russell explains that Blythe won't be gone forever, just for the rest of the summer. Sunil says that he doesn't know how long that is. And Minka chimes in saying she doesn't know how long it will be either while she's holding up a calendar. But then she takes a bite of the calendar and exclaims that calendars are delicious. Pepper did say something similar in a dumb dumb waiter where uh, like she doesn't know how long she's been trapped in the dumb waiter. And, uh, like, I guess 
Okay, I did go over this as well last time. I said it was a tad weird that animals didn't have internal clocks, even though they should. But now that I'm thinking about it now, actually, my original takeaway from this was that they weren't that evolved yet to be on par with, like, a human clock, and I guess that's still technically correct. So then, um, Penny Ling says that, uh, this was the last time Blythe was going to feed us for months, which shocks Vinny because he thinks he'll starve, but Pepper knocks him over the head with a rubber chicken and explains that Mrs. Twombly will feed us. And presumably our owners will feed us. But Blythe is going to go away. And that means they're missing something else. Because like Blythe laughs at Pepper's jokes. She likes Minka's paintings. She takes them to fun and interesting places like the park. And Penny Ling asks if Mrs. Twombly is going to take them to the park. And then it goes into pandemonium as everyone starts worrying but Russell asks them to settle down. He said that this is what Blythe wants and her dad said that they should support her in this effort. So uh, he comes up with the idea to give Blythe the best going away present ever and everyone cheers for that. So the school bell rings on the last day and everyone's excited. Jasper, Sue, and young me all walk out ahead of Blythe and say, no more school until September. But Jasper brings everyone down by saying no Blythe until September either. And young me says that they have to be supportive and try not to say anything that would bring Blythe down. So, okay. Th this is about the point where... Uh, where I stopped last time and realized that 12 minutes of audio was utterly destroyed by some odd thing that I still do not know what caused it. So, I am glad that it got here, though, and not any further, because I did not want to redo what I had planned here because this is gonna be a bit big so I I am wondering do, do they know like Blythe's emotional situation I'd imagine as much because you know they're close friends and we didn't get to see them talk about it, but maybe they talked about it. I don't know. Even though it's like weird and well, not weird, but it's like, it is weird that they wouldn't put it in. And this is more or less headcanon, but I'm going to go with it because I really like it. I don't like the circumstances, but I like how it humanizes 
the character of Blythe even more than the show does. So, to catch everyone up on, to speed on what I'm about to talk about, I think Blythe is at the very least like has like some form of uh like severe loneliness or like abandonment issues or something like that because like her mom is dead or missing she uh moved away from her old neighborhood where she presumably had friends, but maybe recently lost them because she turned 13 and had to leave the kids next door, which she was in. Uh, I do not have time to go over that further. Just just play along with me on this. And on top of all of that, her dad has like a high-stress, high-demand job where he's away often. So, Blythe has to be alone for large portions of the day. And, like, that sucks. However, her finding her ability to talk to animals and her meeting everyone, like, curbs that loneliness just a little bit and it is working wonders because like she she's going off to a strange place she has not been before but she's doing it because she thinks it will help her uh in her career her ideal career of being like a fashion designer of some kind. And, you know, she has experience in that. She's like designed fashion for shows before. Like, even though one was like, like a charity thing to save uh, the littlest pet shop. And the other one was when she was possessed. But either way, like, she she really wants to do this and like it means her going out of her comfort zone and maybe feeling alone again but she believes it's worth it and maybe that's why um young me and jasper and sue and the pets and Mrs. Trombley eventually think that it might be better to like pretend everything will be all right. And what makes this more interesting is that throughout this season, we've seen Blythe break out of her comfort zone uh, unwillingly, but maybe those instances uh like helped build Blythe's confidence up so she can do this and like it it's really interesting when you think about it
And uh, yeah, so the, the point is that all of this is a big step for Blythe. Not only in following her dream, but also improving her mental health. And uh, Young Me says that uh, we're getting back to the episode proper now. Young Me says that uh, they really shouldn't do anything to make Blythe want to stay. So, uh, And then Jasper says that he shouldn't uh, show him the tickets he got for the Zany Island reopening. And he pulls out four tickets, which he presumably got before he found out that Blythe was leaving for the summer. And then Young Me and Sue shriek to that surprise so loudly that it breaks a streetlight? Like, are teenage girls that shrill? Where it can just break stuff that often? Anyway, uh, Blythe walks up and sees the tickets and think it'll be fun, but realizes she won't be there for it. So she says it'll be fun for you guys. And everyone else tries to cheer up by downplaying how fun her thing is. And Jasper even brings back the fact that it's called fun. And, you know, they're just trying to cheer up. But then the Biscuits come to antagonize Blythe about her leaving. And it's like a very short scene. It's very blasé compared to other things that the Biscuits have done and will do. And, uh, yeah, so it's very short. The Biscuits leave. And then Blythe says, I didn't really expect them to miss me. But then she asks if they'll miss her. And then they try to play it cool, like Young Me said, so that they don't upset Blythe when uh, when she leaves. But this upsets Blythe further because we're getting back into headcanon now. Blythe only feels as confident as she does because of her experiences with all of her new friends so far and she believes that they would miss her but that's all the more reason for her to go because she knows she has somewhere safe to come back to where like she's not lonely and afraid but rather has many people to call her friend and, like, confident. She's trying to be, like, confident and unafraid outside of that realm, but she knows she has a place here if it doesn't work exactly. So... Uh, at the shop, the animals are planning their surprise when Blythe walks in and starts picking up some things. 
They all look at Blythe weird, and Blythe looks back at them and asks what they're doing. They say they're not really doing anything. And Vinny says, we definitely aren't planning a surprise for you. To which Pepper hits him over the head with the chicken again. And then uh, Blythe continues to pick up while uh, apologizing to Zoe for not having a summer fashion for her. But Zoe says it's all right. And then Vinny also chimes in and says that it's fine that she's going to camp and going very far away. And he really, really goes the distance with that type of rhetoric. He, like, takes it all the way to 11. And Blythe is very shocked by this. Because she was hoping, like, the pads would be more upset about this, too. Especially because they're pets. Like, they're not that good at concealing emotion, I think. Like, the like it slips out very easily for them. But, like, apparently it's working so far. Because Blythe seems to think that they're just not terribly upset about this so uh Blythe leaves and Vinny continues talking his game and then Pepper smacks him a third time Vinny asks why Pepper keeps doing this and Pepper says it's because you keep saying dumb things Vinny counters with I thought we were supposed to pretend like we wanted Blythe to go and that we should send her off with a smile or whatever. So then uh, Russell takes note of what everyone is doing for Blythe. Pepper is working on a comedy routine for her. Sunil is working on a magic trick. Penny Ling is working on an interpretive ribbon dance. Zoe's working on a song. Vinny's working on his new dance moves. And Minka is making a painting. Russell then notes that the only one who doesn't seem to have something for Blythe is himself. And he's very concerned about this. And this is the other angle where it seems like they want to push the idea that Russell has a crush on Blythe. Because he really wants to do something. But he doesn't know what he wants to do. And then there's a scene later on that adds on to that. But, like, it's it's not a lot, especially compared to one thing later in, like, season three. But, like, I can't get it out of my head because my stupid friend pointed it out and now I can't unsee it in places that I didn't see it before. Whatever. All right. Moving on. Uh, at the shop part of the Littlest Pet Shop, Mrs. Twombly is talking to a new girl about the pets and says that some of them are herbivores. 
The girl says that she likes the word herbivore because it reminds her of salad. I just wanted to get that out of the way first because I kind of like that quote. But backing up a bit, none of the regular pets are herbivores. They're all at least omnivores. If not, Vinny might be a carnivore, but I'm not sure. I really should have looked that up, but other than, like, all of the mammals there are omnivores. Like, I mean, Penny Ling, like, pandas, like, do eat a lot of bamboo, but they also eat other living things. Mostly bugs, but that counts. You, you cannot discount a bug's life. That was a delightful accident. And uh, after I got over my fit of laughter over that, mostly, I did look it up and geckos can be carnivores or herbivores. And since we saw Vinny eat flies in a bowl before and try to eat a fly that was in the back alley before we know Vinny's a carnivore so none of the regular animals are herbivores (laughs) you really should know this Mrs. Twombly you've been at this for a while so moving forward uh, Blythe walks in and sees this new girl, and Mrs. Tromley introduces her. Her name is Madison. When Blythe and Madison shake hands, Madison gets some disinfectant afterwards and squirts some on her hand. Mrs. Tromley explains that Madison will be filling in for Blythe for the summer. Blythe notes that that was fast and that, you know, she hasn't left yet. So Mrs. Twombly says she did extensive interviews for the best candidate, but in reality, she just chose the first person she saw because she's in that much distress that she doesn't want to find someone good to replace Blythe exactly because she is afraid of not taking Blythe back on. So she gambled on Madison, and it seems to have paid off for her so far because while Madison seems to be a good worker, she is, you know, germaphobic, and that's not the best type of person to be in a pet store. So, um... Blythe decides to show Madison around the play area and introduce her to all the regular pets who are not herbivores. So, uh, Blythe rushes ahead and asks Russell to tell everyone to talk to Madison to see if she understands them as well. Russell asks if she was in a dumbwaiter accident too, and Blythe just tells him to do it, and he does it. All the animals gather around, and Blythe introduces Madison to the animals, and uh, she puts on that doctor's mask thing, or like a sneeze mask. I don't know what it's called. It's like that thing that goes over your mouth and nose. 
when you don't want to get your mouth and nose drippings on something because it will infect people. So uh, the regular campers say hi to her and Madison says that they're really noisy and uh, Blythe says that they're talking to her but she says she doesn't have her animal to English dictionary on hand. So this makes Blythe relieved for like the first time today because like her friends seem to not care, the animals seem to not care, and Mrs. Tomley doesn't seem to care. So at least knowing that she's the only person who can talk to animals here is at least a sign that things are going to be fine and that she has something to come back to even if it's this minute so Madison introduces herself and says that uh, they'll get along with her as long as they don't breathe on her and maybe if Blythe doesn't come back she'll be a permanent fixture of littlest pet shop this scares the pets because this girl is a tad weird and they really love Blythe so, uh, the pets are doing a run-through of their gifts for Blythe, for Russell, and it's clear that each of them needs a bit of work, and, uh, like, they go through the thing, and, uh, Minka says she's working on her painting, and then Russell is, again, worried that he doesn't have a gift for Blythe. So, uh, in Blythe's room, Blythe is debating with herself whether if she really wants to go to fun or to the Zany Island reopening with her friends. And it's a hard decision, and she doesn't know what to do. But then Roger comes in with a bunch of fashion supplies as a gift for Blythe while she's away at camp. And she pulls out a travel mannequin with Kung Fu grip, I guess for accessories. Uh, so Blythe hugs Roger for this and uh, says that she's gonna miss him. But Roger lists all of the things that they'll do to keep in touch and squeezes Blythe even harder. So, another thing I'm going to point out is that this is probably just as hard on Roger as it is on Blythe. Because, like, Roger, uh, like, a lot of his friends are pilots, so, like, he knows people wherever, because he flies around a lot. But, like, Roger went through a lot of the same stuff that Blythe did... And that lost his wife, had to suddenly move, and is away from his daughter very often. And, uh, like, he wants to be the best dad, and he is the best dad, but he wants to be the best dad because he knows that, like, his time with his daughter is precious because there's not a lot of it.
you know, and this is going to decrease that. But this is also preparing Roger for when Blythe for real grows up and leaves the house to be more independent and stuff. But, like, it is very hard on Roger, but he is... He is doing his best to encourage his daughter to get out of that cycle of sadness and loneliness that she's in. And he might also be in, but he's a little more chipper than uh, Blythe is. Because, like, you know, I'm not sure. I guess that's just how Roger is. He's just... He's just a lot more upbeat and gung-ho and, like, doesn't worry terribly often. Whereas, like, Blythe probably, like, like Blythe has some of that in her. Because she'll do crazy, dumb, big things sometimes. But she's also a little more reserved. And, like, she might get that more from her mom. So that, like, might have been a bit harder on her than it was on Roger. Because, like, you know, I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure why that would be the case. Because, I mean, I don't know, I don't... My mom's not dead or missing or whatever. So I wouldn't know if it was harder, but it just seems like Blythe might be taking a lot of things harder. Well, I guess it's because Roger has agency. Well, more agency than Blythe. Blythe, like, gets, like, pushed around by fate to do things. And, like, this is the first choice Blythe has really made for herself that wasn't, you know, where do I go to eat? Or, you know, what, uh, how should I design this dress? So, maybe it's that? So, yeah, anyway. (laughs) Sorry about that. I just... Like, this whole idea and a lot... Well, maybe not a lot of my ideas, but, like, some of my other ideas, like, give the show, like, added depth that I like. And even though it's not stated to be there, I see it, you know? Like, that's... I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over this at the end. But... You know, I'm going to go over this at the end. I'm going to just go over this at the end. And uh, let's continue on. So he says that uh, she should hurry and pack because they're leaving early tomorrow. And so the next morning, Roger asks if she needs all of this stuff. And she says it's mostly her fashion designs. But then it pans over and we see more suitcases than the ones Blythe and Roger are carrying out. And then she corrects herself saying it's mostly her shoes. 
But she'll need them, you know? Because campus life is big and she might go through a few shoes. Especially if some of them are heels and the heels snap. It's good to have a pair of flats to fall back on, I guess. So, uh, Blythe decides to go say goodbye to the pets while Roger packs. So, Blythe pops into a dark play area to say goodbye, but then Russell says that they have a surprise for her and to have a seat on the stool. So, the five performing pets, Zoe, Pepper, Sunil, Penny, and Vinny, perform their acts for Blythe over an acoustic guitar song about how they'll miss each other, but it won't be too long. And it's kind of a beautiful song. And then uh, at the end of the song, uh, the five take a bow, and then Minka presents her painting, which seems like it's a bunch of blotches but it's actually a painting of Blythe and all of the pets and Blythe says that it's beautiful and tears up a bit and I'm not gonna lie I also teared up a little as well and then Russell sadly tells Blythe that he doesn't have anything for her but Pepper and Zoe interject and say that this whole like thing was Russell's idea And, like, Blythe gives Russell a hug for that and says, I think I'm going to miss you most of all. And Russell, like, starts getting really sad and emotional. And, yeah, this is where most of my, uh, like, Russell crush notes were. Like, I don't know. I, I seem to have exhausted the topic. So, and just seeing as I don't want to really talk about it anymore, let's move on. After the hug, Russell reassures everyone that Blythe will only be gone for a short while. Uh, Roger calls Blythe, and she says she's on her way. And then she pulls all of the animals in for a group hug and then heads off. She runs into Mrs. Twombly and Madison. And Mrs. Twombly says everything will be all right at the shop. And as a going away present, Mrs. Trombley had a webcam installed in the play area so that Blythe can check in on the pets whenever. Blythe and Trombley start winking at each other, but Mrs. Trombley keeps doing it and it turns out her eyelids are doing it without her control because she says she has too much coffee and it went straight to her eyelids. So uh, she wishes Blythe well and Blythe heads out. Uh, Madison then asks which one Blythe is, which really proves that she's not that apt at the job just yet. So then, as Blythe leaves, uh, young Misu and Jasper walk up, and Jasper just will not let this fun thing go. Yes, it smells fun. It's not that funny. So, uh, Blythe says that she's gonna miss them, and they say that it'll be a boring summer but Blythe tells them to just drop the act and just go have fun at Zany Island she'll only be just a little jealous (laughs) promise 
Young Mies says that she better call every night, and Blythe responds by saying that uh, you should take a lot of pictures of Zany Island. So uh, then Blythe gets in the car and uh, heads off and uh, puts her head out and waves goodbye to her friends, human and animal alike. So then it cuts to Roger and Blythe getting off a plane. Blythe has a list of things for Roger to do. And she begins, water the plants, but not too much. Don't leave your shoes in the middle of the hall because you'll trip on them. If something in the fridge grows hair, throw it away. Roger cuts her off and says he'll be fine. So this brings me to another thing about Blythe's situation. Blythe kind of had to grow up really fast, which actually might account for why she's taking all of this a bit harder than Roger might be. Because, like, Roger is already grown up, in a sense. But, like, Blythe had to really grow up because, like, she's alone a lot. Even back in her old neighborhood. And even back when she was, like, with the KND. Like, she still had to be alone. And, you know, that means she had to do stuff that, like, most kids might not have had to do. So, it really just comes down to, like, how well Blythe handles that. And, like, she handles it all right, but she needs, like, to be a kid and do stuff like this and hang out with other people her age and stuff to, like, actually get by. So... <laughs> Back to the episode. The fashion camp guide calls everyone to get into the shuttle. Blythe realizes she has to go and asks Roger if uh, he'll miss her. Roger says that he started missing her from the moment he found out that she was leaving. But he also doesn't want her to worry about everyone because they'll all be fine. You just focus on fun. And they hug, and it's a really touching moment. Roger is best dad. Hashtag Roger for Dream Daddy 2. I cannot emphasize how good a dad Roger is. He understands Blythe's emotional state completely. And knows how to push her forward in a way that's not upsetting. So Blythe heads off to Fawn and then a bird makes a sarcastic remark about that and Blythe says she heard that which confuses the bird. So now birds are talking when they couldn't in um what did you say? 
So this evolution thing is moving pretty fast. Then again, I guess there's a lot of animals and a lot of human temperaments and ideas to go around, so... Like, I guess it has to move as fast as it can to get to the point of My Gym Partner's a Monkey eventually. So, okay. Aside from that, that's the end of the episode. And, you know, what an episode. It's a really good finale. Really good uh, episode. It really, like, brings a lot to a head. And, like, it really pushes Blythe forward. Like, honestly, this could have ended here. And I think it was written with that idea in mind. But, I mean, it goes on. But it could have ended here, is what I'm saying. And, um, like, it's just a really good episode. And it shows just how deep an impact Blythe has made in everyone's lives and how everyone else has made an impact on Blythe's life. Because, like, I mean, I, I didn't find a good time to talk about it before now, I guess. But, like, they are incredibly upset about Blythe leaving. Like, like Blythe is just this unyielding force of good. And even though she was taken over by an unyielding force of evil twice this season, overall she's an unyielding force of good. And I guess that acts more slowly, more naturally than, you know, possession. It's just pure light radiating off and then going through and seeping in. It's not like it's not like actual possession. It's just uh making feelings stronger, I guess. Which might be something she has as another mutant ability or it might be ghost mom that I mentioned earlier. But either way, uh, yeah, that, that's just how Blythe is and her situation overall is. And, like, I guess in general, like, this show and this episode improve a lot when you look, like, beyond face value. Like, when you've been digging into it like I have... You start to realize that the show is better than your first impressions of it. Like, I know a lot of this is headcanon, and a lot of the reason I think this episode is good is headcanon. But it's not entirely nothing, I don't think. I'm led to this headcanon based on, like, what I'm seeing, and, uh, like, there's a little more to it than what I first thought, 
and yeah, like I said, I teared up a little. And like that happened this time, but I don't think it happened any other time I watched this episode. So like in general, like this episode and this series is better when you look into it just a bit deeper and maybe fill in some of the blanks yourself. So I guess that is it for this episode of the Less Pet Cast. And before I say anything else, I will announce that I am taking next week off because next week is Holy Week. And then the week after that, I will start bonus content before I jump into season two. There will probably be two to three episodes of bonus content. I have three planned. I don't know if one's going to go through exactly. But if it does, I'll be glad because that bit of uh, bonus content is fun in my opinion. I haven't tested it, but I hope it'll be fun. So, as I was saying... That is it for this episode of the Littlest Pet Cast. Be sure to uh, rate and review on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcast, on the Google Play app, and wherever else RSS feeds go when they're breaking out of their borders and going someplace they're not comfortable with. See you next time for some bonus content. Later.